we're in this series called uh, Expect the Unexpected, and we're looking at kind of this Advent season where we can discover love and joy and hope and peace uh, in unexpected ways. We've kind of taken some of the carols that you've, uh, and, and the songs that you've known and loved during the Christmas season and unpacked the lyrics of some of those because for many of those, they have such theological difference. Not we wish you merry, a Merry Christmas. There's no theological implication in that uh, song at all. We just like to sing it. Uh, it's funny, I, my wife said, we used to sing that after Christmas Eve service, uh, we will no longer be singing that because I ruined it successfully with the figgy pudding line. So, <laughs> so we're just unpacking some of the, the songs. And I, this morning, I want us to focus on hope. Uh, I, I walked in this morning. Um, I, bought a, I bought a new sweater because it's kind of hipster. And uh, I was hoping to look younger today. And, uh, and instead, when I walked in, somebody said, oh, look, it's Papa Elf. And, and so you can see how hope can, can quickly turn to anxiety and, and pain in your life. I want to invite us into the Christmas story. Because in the Christmas story, there's some waiting that's involved. Right? There's anticipation in the Christmas story. And in fact, we sing songs like... Uh, Come, thou long-expected Jesus. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come, divine Messiah. That there's this expectation that Jesus is coming. And in that waiting, in that anticipation, I want to invite us to the tension of that waiting period. I think it's something that we can all relate to. I think that if we bypass that as a part of the Christmas story, if we just fast forward to the end, then we miss out on a significant portion of what Jesus actually came to do, that it's, that it's in the waiting that we find hope. The idea of, of hope as we think about it, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, of a time that our family was in, in California and uh, we, we were at Disneyland, and one, one of our favorite rides as a family at Disneyland is Splash Mountain. If, if you've ever been, you, you know it. It's one of the iconic rides at Disneyland, and uh, it's really a glorified log ride, right? It's a Disney-fied log ride. Uh, you, go to, you go to Knott's Berry Farm, and it's just a log ride. But you go to Disneyland, and it's iconic. It's got singing, and, and about three-quarters of the way through the ride... It brings you to a mountain. It's, it's called Splash Mountain. And so you come to a mountain, and, and what happens is your, your log kind of it comes in, and then all of a sudden what happens is you start to hear a clicking sound. Click. Right? Click. And what happens is, is as you're ascending this mountain, click, click, what you find is that you start having these thoughts. I mean, the first thought that you have as a family is you're trying to discover or you're trying to decide what, what kind of faces and, and what are we going to do for the camera when we go on, off the other side of this thing? What are we going to pose? How are we going to pose as a family? And, uh, and you just keep ascending, click, right, click. You guys know the sound. And, and then once you start getting towards the top, there's a little bit of anxiety that begins to well up in you. you you're kind of wondering, like, I, I, uh, you know, I'm not really strapped into this thing. I hope they've got the, 
uh, the physics right on this ride, and I hope that I don't go flying out of this stupid log tube. And, and you just c- keep ascending, and it's click, right? And now there's, there's just kind of this anxiousness and, and this anticipation of, of joy that's coming because you know what's on the other side of this. And then what happened with us is as we were ascending into this, we get to the very top of this mountain, and there's a lever that's supposed to release you from the clicking. And as soon as it was supposed to release us from the clicking, all of a sudden we hear over the loudspeaker, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, there's been some technical difficulties, and we are going to try to resolve this as soon as possible. Welcome to the happiest place on earth. <laughs> and you're here and you're, you know what's supposed to happen. You know where you're supposed to go. You know, you know what you're supposed to do. And yet you're stuck here for almost an hour just waiting, just sitting and anticipating. And if you were to look up the definition of, of hope, in the scripture or in the dictionary, what you would find is that it's the desire or the expectation of something good. Implicit in that is that uh, that you don't currently have it, that that it's not you don't possess it, and so you have this desire as you are are ascending into this. You know what to expect. You're expecting something good. You're expecting to be launched into your future of fun. And now you're waiting, and the waiting period can be excruciating. Look at what Romans chapter 8, verse 24 says about it. It says, for in this hope, don't mind my head, it's, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Who hopes for that? If you already have it, you have nothing to hope for, and so... He who hopes, uh, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. If you can see it, it's not hope. It goes on and says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, what do we do? We wait for it. And we wait for it patiently. We wait for it patiently. Hope is the, the distance between our current reality and our expectation. It goes on to say, but uh, or it goes on to say, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We sing songs during this season like, "Oh, come, thou long expected Jesus." We sing songs like, "Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, come, divine Messiah." There was a waiting period that took place for the Hebrew people, for the Israelites, a long waiting period. They were awaiting the Messiah, and we can see all throughout Scripture that it begins to kind of create this thrill ride of sorts where we see this this, um, progression and anticipation of the Messiah coming. There's a passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 where we see the very first prophecy, if you were to open up your Bibles to that verse in particular, it's the very first prophecy of the coming Messiah. It's actually called the Protevangelium. Proven, te- proven, 
Protevian jelly, Protevian jelly, something along those lines. Don't worry about it. You're not going to be quizzed on it. What? Somebody know it? Say it. Oh, it sounds good. All right. Yeah, I'll take you to lunch today. In that verse, it says that God is going to send a man to crush the enemy under his feet. And so what we see is we see Scripture play out kind of like this this thrill ride. It plays out where you begin to see this, this anticipation. Yeah, I'm going back up. I mean, don't even worry about it because my deductible's already paid. I just have three pins in my hip. It, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? So in Genesis chapter 3, we see this. But then uh, in Genesis chapter 12, what we see, click, there's the promise to Abraham. And in the promises to Abraham, what we find is that God is going to bless him. And he's going to bless uh, his entire family. And that through his seed will come the one who is going to redeem the world. And then if you fast forward into 1025, what you find is you find David, who's also given a promise and, and that, there were, that there would never fail to be someone uh, on the throne out of his lineage, that there will always be somebody in his lineage on the throne as king, right? And then you go into Isaiah. If you, if you fast forward a little bit into Isaiah, you, they, the Israelites are given another prophetic word in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, click, that the, that the virgin will be with child, right? And, and she will give birth to him, and she, she will call him, he will be called Emmanuel, which is an amazing promise. This is an amazing thing. Unfortunately, they had to wait 700 years for this to come to fruition. And in fact, in in Isaiah chapter 9, we find that uh, another promise, another, you know, it's still 700 years beforehand where this passage of Scripture is so well known that it's, for unto us a child is born, a son is given he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He'll be called Mighty God. He'll be called Prince of Peace. We, we are very familiar with these verses. But, but let, think about it in the context of these people receiving these, these prophetic words and realizing that for seven centuries, they were going to have to wait. That's a, a long waiting period. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and one will come, the shepherd king, he will be born in Bethlehem, that, that there is this long-awaited period of time. See, the Israelites were people of hope. Even in the midst of their waiting, they were hoping for the Messiah to come. There's a, a famous anonymous quote that, uh, that was uh, written about hope. It says that a person can live for three months without food, uh, or eight months, what is it? I have my notes. 40 days. They can live 40 days without food. They can live three days without water. They can live eight minutes without air. But they can only live a few moments without hope. And I think we intrinsically know that. I think we, in, deep inside, we know that there has to be hope in this world. And that if we find ourselves in a place of hopelessness, we know that it can be very devastating. We know that it can be detrimental to our life, even. 
that it is in the midst of hope that we recognize that as important as it is in our life, it's very difficult to hold on to. Just this morning, as I said earlier, I have a friend who, uh, who was writing about Christmas and the difficulty that Christmas uh, can be in some people's lives. That, that it's in those moments where we find ourselves waning in our hope. And we have a choice to make. We have a choice that we can uh, either lower our expectations, we can close the gap, if you will, or we can just press in to the one who comes into this world to bring us hope. Here's what Christmas reminds us of this year. Christmas reminds us that every single hope that we have, that, that if, you, if you were to just dig underneath that, you would find the shadow of something that is of desperate need in your life. At Christmas, what we have is a God who's going to meet us in our place of need. We have a God who says, I'm going to shower my grace and my mercy down on you. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 20 through 23. And uh, the angel is coming to Joseph to talk with Joseph about uh, the pregnancy of his fiance And it says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's the hope for us this Christmas. That's the reminder that we have a God who came to this earth to save us from our sins, that, that we would be reconnected to a life with God. That in the midst of, as the, the famous hymn, o, o Holy Night says, in the midst of our sin and our error pining, that he meets us in that moment and he showers us with grace and mercy and forgiveness. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's not so much that a, a baby was born, although that's uh, certainly a fulfillment of the prophetic word that was given. It's, it's that God came to our rescue. If we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll kind of skip forward to the end of the, uh, of the story and we'll be grateful for that and we'll open up some gifts and we'll have some family over, maybe, you know, not if you live in California, but we'll have some family over and, and here's the reality is we will miss what Jesus actually came to do. It goes on to say, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will give, call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The reason we love the Christmas story is not because we get to open up gifts. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a plus to the story. That's a, that's, a, that's a fun part of it. We get to open gifts. But it's not that we get to have family and, and friends over. That's, that's also a good time. can be a good time. It can also be uh, mixed emotions with that one. But that really the reason why we love Christmas so much is because it answers the deepest longing of our souls. The first is that God would come and be for us. 
The second is that God would come and be with us. That he is God for us, he is God with us. And and there's something in our soul that resonates with that. And so every Christmas time, we get so excited to celebrate the birth of Jesus, not because he's in a manger, but because of what he has done for us. He is for us, he is with us. Christmas, as I said earlier, can stir up some mixed emotions. As I said, there's some who this is a difficult time of year for them. The, uh, statistically, I don't know if these statistics remain the same. They used to be that more people would take their life between Thanksgiving and Christmas than the rest of the year combined. But this is one of the more depressing times of year for people. This is a reminder of family members that were lost. These, this is a reminder of, of a diagnosis or things that just aren't what they used to be. And how many of us could, could we just say that this Christmas is a little bit different than other Christmases? This has been a little bit of a different year. And we can try to, to shorten the gap or we can invite the God who says, I am with you and I am for you, to speak into our gap. Hope is not ignorance. I don't think that we should be ignorant about our current realities. Hope is not an ignorance of our current circumstances, but it is a confidence in our future reality. It is the confidence knowing of what's to come in our life. Christmas answers the question, God, do you care God, are you with me? God, are you for me? It answers the question with a resounding yes. The problem, though, for most of us is we wish that God would just fulfill all of our hopes and dreams. And can I submit to you today that while he doesn't answer every hope, he does answer the hope underneath everything. I like how John talks about it in his nativity account in in chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Notice those verbs are, are both past tense. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's talking about creation here. He goes on and says, the light, though, shines, that's present tense, shines in darkness, meaning it's still shining in the midst of darkness. And if anyone knew darkness, it was John. I mean, think about his growing up. He grew up in, a, in, a, in, a, in the midst of a religious circumstance that was pretty oppressive. He'd, he, being a Hebrew and being an Israelite, uh, we could see that, uh, that Israel was decimated, most likely at the time of this writing. Uh, the temple had been destroyed, just completely leveled. If there was anybody who, in the midst of culture and circumstances, could have had a reason to say, listen, holding on to hope is too hard. To, to manage it, to hold on to it, to have it. If anybody could have said that, it could have been John. And yet what John reminds us is that the light still shines in darkness. And he goes on and says, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's the hope of Christmas. As we, as we get to the point at which we're just about to Christmas and we're just coming over the hump of this thing. 
The hope of Christmas, friends, is that the King of kings and the Lord of lords steps into our darkness, steps into our need, steps into our despair, our depression, our anxiety, and he breathes and he speaks life into it. And listen, the darkness can never overcome it, ever. And it may be really, really dark in someone's life today. Can I just tell you that the promise of God is that the darkness will not be overcome, or that the light will not be overcome. I want to invite you to address the, the gap that's maybe in our life. And maybe it, for you it's huge. Where you're thinking, you know, God, I, my hopes were here. How many of you started the year thinking, my hopes were here, my expectations were here, and my reality is down here? What we tend to think is that the ladder of Christmas is for us to then tie up our boots. I'm wearing boots today, not cowboy boots, but kind of boots. To tie up our boots and, and to go to work. To work our way closer to God, to make our way up the ladder. To be better people, to work harder, to read our Bibles more, go to church more, whatever. But in reality, the ladder in the Christmas story is not for us to climb up. The ladder in the Christmas story is for God to climb down and to enter into the brokenness and to enter into the pain and to enter into our story and declare to each and every one of us that it is safe to hope. We can let our hearts go there because the King of kings and the Lord of lords has entered into our life. He is God for you. He is God with you. If you've ever found yourself in a place where you're distant from him, where you've allowed the gap to get so big, my guess is that your re- the, the difference distance between your reality and your expectations is almost unmanageable. We're celebrating him this Christmas. Not not him in a manger, although that is so important. We're celebrating him who is with us in the midst of whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. This Christmas Eve is, as I said earlier, his birthday of sorts. I hope you'll join us. I hope you'll come and be a part of it. Not because we, well, we've been working hard on it, but because we want to celebrate the birth of the one who comes to save the world. The one who comes not to receive gifts, but to be the gift for us. The one who comes to give us gifts, actually. There's some who maybe you've let hope, let go of hope because you've lost sight of the Messiah. Maybe this year you've come into the culmination of this crazy year that we've been a part of and you've lost hope. Can I just point you back to the one who came, who is the hope of the world? He's beautiful. He says to each and every one of us, I know that hope is hard to hold on to, but it's necessary to have. And you can continue to have it because I'm a God who is with you and who is for you.
and I'm in the mess of whatever it is that you find yourself walking through. Listen to the way that Paul invites us to this life in Romans chapter 15 in verse 13. And we're going to touch on this Thursday night on Christmas Eve. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So as we come to this God who's a God that wants to shower us with hope, that's what the Christmas story is all about. That it's safe to hope. And when we hope, we are then filled with joy and peace. Those are gifts that he gives us. He also gives us righteousness, the scripture says. And so we're going to talk on Thursday night about hope, or we're going to talk about peace and joy as gifts that were given to us because he came in a manger. He goes on to say, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound. Abound, that's overflowing. That's a tidal wave and a Dixie cup. That's what that means. But the king has come. He is God with you. He is for you. I don't know what you're waiting on today. I don't know what it is that you have as expectations or anticipation. But I do know this, that Christmas declares that there is a God who waits with you. He is with you and who you can put your trust and confidence in. He declared that 2,000 years ago. He gave his life to seal that and he walked out of a grave so it could be ours. He's worthy of our hope. He's worthy of our hope. If you are looking into 2021 with any amount of hopelessness, Can I just tell you, our hope is not in this world. Our hope came on a cold winter's night in the middle of Bethlehem to bring us life, to be with us, and to be for us. Let's pray.